the amateur athlete, the student who played for the love of the game. That was the old ideal. Here's a glimpse of the new reality. At the University of Utah, a couple of organizations have just offered each scholarship member of the football team a new pickup truck. On the future of college sports, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice and former quarterback of the Colts and quarterback of the Stanford University football team where he played right here, Andrew Luck, on Uncommon Knowledge Now. Welcome to Uncommon Knowledge. I'm Peter Robinson. There are two Condoleezza Rices. One is a scholar's scholar and a diplomat's diplomat. The other, an athlete and sports fan who was a competitive figure skater as a girl and is now a member of the ownership group of the Denver Broncos. This past year, the second Condoleezza Rice, now director of the Hoover Institution, served as special advisor on athletics to the president of Stanford. We'll be coming back to that. Just as there are two Condi Rices, there are two Andrew Lux. One is, of course, Andrew Luck, the star quarterback. He broke record after record here at Stanford. Then in 2012, he went to the Indianapolis Colts as the top draft pick in the entire NFL. I find that more impressive than a Nobel Prize, so I'm going to say it again. This man in 2012 was the top draft pick in the entire NFL. With the first pick in the 2012 NFL draft, the Indianapolis Colts select Andrew Luck. Quarterback, Stanford. He remained with the Colts for seven years. The other Andrew Luck, the Brainiac. As an undergrad here at Stanford, Mr. Luck majored in architectural design. Now he has returned to Stanford to earn a graduate degree in education. Condi, Andrew, thank you for joining us. Well, actually, this is in a way your home. So thanks for thanks for inviting us in. Great to be with you, Peter. Absolutely, yeah. thanks for making me feel comfortable in yeah. a place like this. Yeah. Um, Condoleezza Rice in 2018, quote, the collegiate model, that is the old model of the student athlete, the collegiate model is worth defending. The athlete is engaging in an activity that is going to give a lifetime of value in the form of a college degree, close quote. The college degree should be enough. We're going to come to all the changes that have taken place since you said that in 2012, but for now, do you want to stand on that, that the old model is still in some basic way worth defending? Well, Peter, it depends on what you mean by the old model. I think the essence of the so-called old model, uh, that the value proposition is that you get to play your sport at the highest levels. Uh, you get the very best training, the very best coaching, uh, the best opportunity to showcase your talents. And by the way, if you do the right thing, you get a college degree. And we know that a college degree is worth $1 million over your lifetime in earnings. So that's the value proposition. I'll just say one other thing. Sure. I, I did a commission for the uh, NCAA the, um, in, on uh, men's basketball. And 59% of D1 players think they're going to the NBA. The right number is 1.5%. You need a plan B. It's called a college degree. All right. Andrew, mm -hmm. you played here at Stanford as a student athlete under the old rules. But you packed these stands, you took this university to the Orange Bowl and the Fiesta Bowl, and it is safe to say that you contributed to millions in television revenues. Should you have been paid? Uh, that's a great question, and I think that's a, that's a question that, that a lot of folks are trying to answer right now. Um, and on the heels of what, what Dr. Rice just said, I, I think there are, there are so many aspects of the old amateur college athletics model that that ring true and speak to the values that I, that I certainly uh, feel uh, and, and maybe how, how I grew up and, and the importance of getting an education and, and realizing, you know, I had the privilege of growing up in a home where my father was a professional quarterback, but right. that's, that ended way before I was born and he, and, and he had a five-year career. So I think I knew that professional sports, if I was good enough to make it and if the stars aligned, was going to be a brief, you know, brief, intense <laughs> Uh, existence in my in my broader life. Okay. Should I have been paid? I uh, you know I think it would have been nice. <laughs> Why not? Oh, well, that's, okay. <laughs> what, it would have been nice. Answer. We yeah. can work with that. Hold that thought. Yeah. All right. So let me let me go into 
The revolution in college sports in recent years, this will take a moment or two to set mm -hmm. up, but let's just get establish the background here. It comes down to one word, money. D1 Athletics generated $15.8 billion in revenues in 2019, which is the last year before the pandemic. And it's not just staggering sums of money, it's the concentration of that money. One sport, football, accounted for, as best I can tell, a little more than half of that vast income. And even among football teams, if you look at the football bowl subdivision, the FBS, which are the most, uh, the biggest revenue teams, of the 130 teams in the FBS, only 25 showed a net, net income, so to speak. The other 105 teams lost money. Gigantic sums of money, tightly concentrated. Men's basketball brings in money too, but not nearly as much no, as football. What's that? I said not nearly as much. Not nearly yeah, as much. Not nearly as much. Okay. So we've got the money. Well, just a second though, Peter. Okay. I'm going to inter interrupt you. Why do you think only a very few football teams generate so-called profit? Why, why do you think that is? It's because if you are a university like Stanford, we play 36 sports, 36. That includes women's volleyball. It includes men's golf. It includes soccer for both men and women, et cetera, et cetera. 36 sports. Now, the only sport that actually makes money is football. So where do you think that football income is going to? It's going to cover 35 sports so that we can play a broad number of sports, so that we can play women's Title IX sports. And so when you say football is generating all of this money, if I simply say, all right, therefore those people like Andrew who played it extremely well uh, should be compensated for that somehow, what am I gonna do about all the other sports that we okay. want to play? Including, by the way, that Stanford plays a, a significant number of so-called Olympic sports. We would have been the seventh or eighth country in the world in terms of medals in several Olympics. Do you really want to sacrifice that because you can only generate money in... I can tell you football? what I don't want to do. I don't want to cross you in this conversation. <laughs> but so I do hear what she, yeah. what she just said, though, is that from the ages of 18 to 22, when you're playing on this field, yeah. you were already a philanthropist. You were subsidizing 35 sports. Watch it, Andrew. Weren't you married to a gymnast? <laughs> Including your wife's sport. You're married to a gymnast. Okay, so can we, let's take, so huge money. The NCAA has responded. There have been court decisions. There's a case that went all the way to the Supreme Court. The NCAA lost. And we've got two absolutely basic changes to the way particularly football is played. And one of these is the transfer portal. Mm. 2018, uh, the transfer, the NCAA institutes the transfer portal, which makes it much easier for an athlete to transfer from one team to another. And by 2021, there were over 10,000 sports transfers. Last year, the USC football team, long may they be cursed. I just, just <laughs> it's okay with me. Okay. Last year. You never lost to them, did you? No. All right. Yeah, there we go. He considers the suggestion. Yeah. Right. Uh, last year, the USC football team took 26 players through the portal. And this year, Coach Sanders over in Colorado took 49 players. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? Andrew? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a, a, a Take crack. a shot and at I, that. And I, and, you know, I, th I think there is a lot of good in it, and I think oh, you we, do. I do. I think I think I think protection for players is a good thing at the end of the day. And remember, you know, I, I, I was a union member in the NFL. Uh, I, I believe in, in player safety, health safety. I believe in, in the privilege of choice and getting in better situations. And so, you know, I, I think I think the opening up to a certain degree uh, of flexibility and choice for players uh, in sports in college can be a good thing. Um, I think. If rubber meets the road and educational attainment becomes a sacrifice, if um, if if exploitation in some way is, is part of the game, I think those are sort of the the scary things we need to think about, and maybe aren't doing a doing a great job right now uh, in this ecosystem of making sure uh, that you know certainly the educational attainment piece uh, is be, is being honored. Um, but but I want to believe that there's a, there's a way in which the system can work that that athletes 
and not just football. This is this is for a bunch of sports. Can 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 move when and, and transfer between schools without draconian punitive uh, consequences, yet still hold on to you know some educational value. I, I think that the ideal that uh, Andrew just uh, articulated would be great, but I don't think that's the way the transfer portal is working. Mm. Uh, the way the transfer portal is you working, right, is you, working right get now. Get angry with him now. Yeah, the way it's working right now, it, of course, it's choice for players, but it's basically coaches are going out and recruiting entire squads. Mm. Yeah. Right? Uh, I was watching football on Saturday, surprise, surprise, and uh, there was a team that shall remain nameless that was in the top five. 67% of their starters are transfers. Mm. Now, what does that say for all the kids who went to this university, expected to be able to play, did their best, but they weren't quite good enough, and so they were told, leave, go someplace else. That's how the transfer portal is working. That's what's happening. And that isn't really choice for the players. It might be choice for the very elite. But, you know, that kid who was a walk-on and uh, got dumped by the coach because he wasn't quite good enough. And you mentioned I'm an NFL owner. Somebody said, well, it's like the NFL. No, I'm sorry. The NFL has rules. During free agency, there's a period in which you can be a free agent. We have unrestricted free agents, restricted free agents. Uh, Teams understand the rules. There are essentially no rules now for now, right now in the transfer portal. So Uh, I I just want to mention one other thing about the transfer portal. You mentioned the educational attainment piece. If I told you that Joe Smith doesn't play a sport at all, but Joe Smith has gone to three different colleges in three years. I'd say there's a problem. Would you expect that Joe Smith is actually getting an education doing that? That's true for a particular men's basketball team that ended up in the final four last year. So if I if the transfer portal were truly just a matter about a player getting to make a choice because things didn't quite work out here, that would be one thing. But that's not what the transfer portal is right now. All my questions are going to be the questions of somebody who sits up there, not somebody who played down we here. We both or, sit up there, yeah, by the so way. <laughs> so one question I have is, if you, I don't want to attack, actually my impulse is to attack Colorado, but we beat them, so uh, Stanford beat them a couple of weeks ago, so I don't need to pile on. But if you've got essentially half your squad and most of your starters weren't part of the school last year and might get poached away... What does that do to the fan? What does it do to the mm. sense that that these young men on the field in some way are part of the institution? They're representing the institution because they're genuine students there. Question one of two. Question two of two, if you're on the coaching staff and you're bringing along a freshman, how do you, what, if, the, if mm. this kid is really good, he's going to get noticed by somebody else. I mean, I just don't understand how you coach the way the game, how, cons- how s- any sense of connection, real connection and commitment between the institution and the players on the field can be sustained if it becomes as frankly purely mercenary. Kid goes where he wants to go for his career. Well, how do you answer that? Yeah, one? you know, I, I think I was curious about this question as well. I know part of what, in, a, in the sort of nostalgic uh, being back on Stanford's campus and thinking about those connections, at least I felt, and going to class and you, living in dormitories, right. and, and, it, and it, I think it, 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 in many ways, added up to a, to a real sense of community that I'm forever grateful for and, and get to live in, in a sense, again. So I was curious. So I went and traveled with the Stanford team to Colorado, to Boulder this year, to watch the game. And as a fan of Stanford and, and you know, closely tied to it, I was thrilled, obviously, that we won in that dramatic fashion. Oh, what a great, what a and, and I'll say this about to throw a wrench into a little bit. The, the stands were packed. Buffalo fans were happy. They enjoyed their team, and they weren't happy at the end of the game, obviously. But it was an atmosphere that hasn't existed in Boulder for a long time. And 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 I think there's a lot. <laughs> this is where, where I'm struggling to find clear answers, perhaps, on what is good, what is bad in okay, college football. So Coach football. Sanders brought those kids in through yeah. the transfer portal, but he electrified the whole institution. Yeah, and, I, and so I think it, to dis, discredit any good things that happened yeah. would be too simplistic. And of a deal. Uh, let me tell you, so Deion yeah. Sanders was one of my first favorite players of all time. All right, <laughs> yeah. and closing speed as a defensive back, unbelievable. Uh, he is not playing against the rules because there are no rules. And so I'm not going to slam Deion Sanders for taking advantage of the circumstances. Right. And it's true, you know, I grew up in Denver and so um, I have a lot of friends who were 
Colorado students, Colorado fans. It's been a long time mm -hmm. since they had that kind of energy. But it's going to be very interesting. They've now lost several games in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, if it doesn't quite pan out, yeah. and now there are another new 50 that yeah. come in because maybe I can get better players. So now people start poaching my players. I don't think this is sustainable. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm really saying. Yeah. I don't even even if you want to make arguments that there are some aspects of it that we might wish to to say have some benefit to the players. I don't think it's sustainable. And I do think it causes an athlete to do something that I would have quit skating a long mm. time after shortly after I started had it been about winning every competition because I didn't win any. I wasn't very good. But I kept waking up every morning and practicing and working and trying to get better. And when I did have a little success, it was wonderful. And I wonder about all those kids who are now just being shoved aside because they weren't quite good enough. Mm. But given a chance, they might have gotten better. Right. Isn't that supposed to be a part of a college experience as well? Yeah, I, I, I'd like to add. I, I think I wonder what it's like, and I'm just putting, going back into freshman Andrew, who's a quarterback, who for the first time in his life is not starting on a team and is not the best player on the team and, right. and deserves to be on the bench because he's not very good. And I, and I know that, that there are 30 to 40, 50 young young men, boys, and, and college teams that are sitting on the bench that aren't ready to play in in can you trust that if you work hard enough over the next couple of years, you'll get a chance or will someone else come in and, and, and take your spot? And, and, and that, that part, I think also, we're, we're, so, we're still young in this, uh, in this era, if you will. And, and I, I hope people will take yeah. that because Andrew's also uh, coaching at, at Palo <laughs> yeah, In A kid that you see at Pali who's maybe not that great, but mm -hmm. he's going to get a chance to go to college and he's going to get a chance to play football. You know, you hope that he gets a chance to get better because a lot happens to a kid between 18 and, and 20. Absolutely. The other, absolutely. the other of these two absolutely basic changes, you know the initials, NIL, mm -hmm. name, image, and likeness. So again, let me t take a moment to set this up. The Supreme Court rules against the NCAA arguing that it couldn't prevent schools from authoring athletes certain education-related benefits. The NCAA responds by adopting new rules. I'm quoting from the NCAA website. College athletes now have the opportunity to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. That rule is adopted in 2021, less than two years ago. By this year, this is how fast this has moved, boosters at the University of Utah, as I mentioned uh, in the, at the top of the show, were giving a new pickup truck to each scholarship member of the football team and a lot of players are openly promoting products. Here is an example. Colorado quarterback Shadur Sanders, quote, this is a tweet. I'm quoting word for word from the tweet. It's tailgate season, and I partnered with at PLB Sports to create my own legendary brand of barbecue sauce. Close quote. So, Andrew, justice for players at last? Or the death of, of, of any... The death of any any sense of love of game and dignity. Are there only two, are there only two, Those two, are sides, two choices? Two choices. Those are your two choices. <laughs> because, she gets the subtlety. Right, <laughs> yeah, right. I get to do the subtlety. Rats. <laughs> Rats. I, you know, I, I think, when I, I've, I've said this before and I think about it, and, and full disclosure, I, I am part of a collective here at Stanford and, and have done NIL deals with current student My wife and I have done NIL deals with current student athletes, and we think it's great. And I, I think it's, you know, and where, where else can you, do you stop someone from, from using the opportunity to, to capitalize in, in, in the market on their name, image, and likeness? So I think that... Why are you not? Because, because, <laughs> on, on, this one, because on this one, I agree. You do? Yes, on name, image, and likeness, I, I, I don't like the way it's being used. I don't, mm. I don't oh, think I'll every, just, every student I'll, athlete ought to be given this. this. Yeah. But I will tell you that before this ruling, the only students who couldn't couldn't generate uh, income on their name, image, and likeness were athletes. Mm -hmm. So if you were a musician and you made a highly successful video and it went viral, you could you absolutely could benefit from that you and could. monetize that. Right. If you were a college uh, music major uh, or a college, a college artist, you could benefit. So I have no problem mm -hmm. with a student athlete being able to benefit on their name, image, and likeness. And in, in fact, I think the idea that uh, Shador Sanders wants to sell barbecue sauce is just fine with me. 
I don't even mind if somebody wants to promote a product. And I will tell you a very interesting thing. At Stanford, at least, the women athletes have done better than the men. So it is in part the profile of some of our women golfers, some of our, our women basketball players, uh, that they've done better than a lot of our male athletes. So the fear that it was gonna be a Title IX problem, maybe, maybe not. Now, the piece that I do always say to student athletes though, is be careful what you use your name, image, and likeness for, because uh, your name, image, and likeness is for a lifetime. So if you, you're not probably going to be embarrassed because you've sold barbecue sauce, but there could be things that you use your name, image, and likeness for that when you're 35, you're going to be sorry that you did. And so I think we do owe our student athletes advising and, uh, and some counsel about how to okay, use so this opportunity. I, one more of a question. You're the one who raised this question of sustainability. And, and you, as you said, this is all very new. So, so I guess we're all groping toward protocols yeah. and rules and so forth. You served as provost of this university. I cannot escape the thought that if there comes a day, and there may, when some new version of Andrew Luck has deals that enable him to earn two or three times as much as a full professor of classics or a full professor of history, that puts a torque on the whole ethos of this university that would be a problem. Have you looked at what some of our students have, have earned for the app that they developed? Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, I, uh, Peter, if I, you tell I don't me wanna, not to worry, I, I will stop I am, worrying. I am worried, and you know that I'm concerned. I, I think there are ways that name, image, and likeness, if the NCAA mm -hmm. had gotten on top mm -hmm. of it, in that same basketball commission in 2017, we said to the NCAA, get rules now they decided to wait for the court decision and then they lost control of it. So again, as a matter, NIL might be okay, name, image, and likeness. If, if Sanders wants to sell barbecue sauce or if I, I saw the, the kid, uh, Caleb Williams, you know, he's doing some commercial for Nissan, all right, it's okay. But the way that it's evolving has to do now okay, I'll give you a bigger NIL deal if you'll transfer to so-and-so university, right? And the numbers are getting really crazy in, the, in that context. So we, we didn't get ahead of some of this. And then with the court decisions, we're running to catch up. But I will say, if universities can stay true to their values right. and can say, you know, I don't mind that you're doing, and for most kids, by the way, name, image, and likeness is, I'll, I'll show your, my, your bike on my Instagram, and can I get a free bike? Okay, that's what most of the NIL right. deals are, are like. So it's another one of those circumstances that probably you weren't going to stay at a place that the only people who could use name, image, and likeness were athletes in a university. That wasn't going to hold, but it's, uh, it's now it's the combination of these things, transfer portal and NIL and mm -hmm. big deals. That's what's really and eroding you don't, things. You don't see any danger that boosters would get together and say, okay, we're, in, we're, going to get a, we're going to cut an NIL deal with the whole team. We want a team photo. And that means every man on this football team or every woman on the volleyball team gets, you name the amount of money that we need to offer to recruit the kids we want to yeah. recruit. That's well, what, think, what, yeah, why did you go with, is, with to recruit? That's yeah. the, yes. Well, I think there's some of the guardrails that Dr. Rice is also, or the lack of guardrails around that. That that in pay for play, in essence, sort of is existing in college right now. Uh, and I think it's it's murky about what it looks like, but collectives can pay, and you're not. You're, and your view is we should learn to live with it, or you view is I, well, I think I think because of the, because of the transfer rules and, and NIL rules and, and some other things and a lack of guardrails and a lack perhaps of an, of an oversight body like the NCAA uh, stepping in and saying, hey, this is okay, this is not okay, that we're living in a bit of the Wild West. And, I, and, and then conference realignment has happened. That's right. That's um, the other big piece. We're coming, to, so we're coming to, that, to you on that. Which I think also has laid bare the power of television and television money um, and football as you know its place in our, in our consumer society. Um, so I think yeah, it's, a, it's the Wild West still, I think, and I'm not sure where we are. I, on this next segment, yeah. 
I'm going to be speaking to Condi in her capacity as special advisor for athletics to the president of Stanford University. Yeah. And I would like you to feel free to help me question her okay. because I want to know what just happened. June of last year, USC and UCLA announced that they're leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, where they would reportedly increase their television revenues from 20-something to nearly $100 million each. They go for the big money. The Pac-12 is now the Pac-10. In early August of this past summer, I'm piecing this together from various press accounts, and I'm waiting for you to, if, if I get this wrong, you know the inside story better than I, okay. You've got a long way to go. Early August, the presidents of the remaining 10 institutions were to meet to sign a media deal with Apple. The Los Angeles Times, quote, 10 minutes before the meeting was to begin, Washington informed the league that it was leaving for the Big Ten. Once the Huskies left, the Ducks followed. The Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah exodus to the Big 12 flowed naturally from there, close quote. In a single weekend, the venerable Pac-12, which had its origins all the way back in the 1950s, was reduced to just yeah. four teams. This is a diplomatic problem that requires a former Secretary of State to address. <laughs> Condi Rice becomes special advisor to the president of this university for athletics, and by September, she has brokered a deal under which Stanford University, located as the seagull flies about 11 miles from the Pacific, Stanford University will now, at beginning next year, will participate in the Atlantic Coast Conference. How did you do that? <laughs> well, I didn't do it alone. Let me just be very clear about that. Okay. But when, the, when the music stopped mm -hmm. in August, um, after the Arizonas and Utah had gone to the Big 12 along with Colorado, that one weekend was a complete, it right, it just fell apart. All right. And, uh, and it, look, it's still intact, all right? The Pac-12 is still intact. And we, this year. And I just want to be very clear, we technically have not left the Pac-12, mm. right, all right? Right, right, um, we, it, we will make that notification. But the, um, we, we didn't have a chair to sit on once the music stopped. And our athletes were the most vocal about wanting to be able to play sports at the level, at the uh, elite level that they came here to play, uh, at the level that they expected to play, mm. that we actually owed them having them come here to right. be able to play at that level. And that really means a power five conference. It means uh, one of the five that you, Big 10, Big 12, uh, ACC, SEC or uh, Pac-12. Um, with the Pac-12 teetering, the ACC became our best choice. Um, I don't think I'm revealing any secrets. The Big Ten was a bit in exhaustion from expansion. They'd just taken in four teams. And so that wasn't going to happen. We decided that the ACC was our best option and that we fit culturally in the ACC with mm. a lot of private universities and public universities of our same academic peerage. So. Duke and Wake Forest and Virginia and North Carolina and Notre Dame. And so it was a good decision, but I think it's going to be, we, we have a lot of adjustments to make. Now, one good news is that, one piece of good news is that SMU also came in with Cal and with Stanford, and we did lock arms with and stay with Cal. Mm -hmm. um, and the fact that SMU is in Dallas may give us opportunities to do some play between the two coasts in Dallas, which would okay. would be helpful. May I ask you? It is it, first of all, on behalf of all Stanford fans, thank you because if it had remained the Pac-4, you just got a situation which is just plain untenable. It just untenable. can't work. So you ended up with something workable. Did you end up with, in your own mind, the best that we could do for now, or when this all finally came together at the very end of August and in September, did you say, this is a wonderful new opportunity. This can increase the, well, improve the level of play, give new opportunities to fans and athletes alike. Did you really think, actually, this has worked out more than fine? I, I did think it has worked out fine. I, I would have preferred the Pac-12 to stay in mm -hmm. right. It's actually a 108 or 103 year old conference. So it's oh, kind it of, really? yeah, well, Pac-4 from the Pac-4 uh, and right. So, okay, okay. Uh, so it would have been great, but given that that wasn't an option, 
the ACC option seems like a very good one to me. And in fact, uh, when I think about Clemson coming in here or Florida State coming yeah. in here, we know what happens when Notre Dame comes in here. There's great excitement. Their fans and outnumber they're, ours they're, well, from time to time. That's, we can that's work a different that. problem. Yes, we'll work on that. Andrew's working on that. Yes, um, yes. But the other piece of it is, again, uh, for the other sports other than football, to, to be in a conference where they will play, our student athletes will play their peers, kids that they've met along the way in junior golf or uh, on the circuit, that's, that's really important. You're now a junior in high school mm -hmm. and you're thinking about Stanford, but you realize you're going to have to spend a lot of time on airplanes flying across the continent of North America to play games. Would you still have come to Stanford? Absolutely. You would I, have. Yeah, and, I, and, and you live this in the NFL a little more than I lived it in, in the Pac-12 uh, while I was here. A charter flight with good food ain't the worst thing in the world. <laughs> it's a treat. I and, and and this is football. Which volleyball, field hockey. So this, they'll be. They won't have charter. This I'm, this I'm curious. Yeah. Certainly as a feel free. Ask, ask her question. I'm exhausted. You take it right. and, and and where some of the opportunities like is because I I I am in lockstep with you. The ACC provides competition. I think for a lot of sports yeah. that is really. Yeah. Really uh, incredible and amazing. Yes, yes. Uh, and a lot of peer institutions that I think approach athletics and scholarship uh, in the same way. And the challenges do exist. Yes, for, they the, do. for a lot of they Olympic do. sports on the road, which we we hang our hat on. Uh, That's right. No, they those those challenges exist not for every yeah. Olympic sport. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the sports uh, actually travel a lot already. So golf, yeah. tennis, uh, one that had to travel field hockey. We don't play field hockey on the West Coast. And so they were traveling east all the time anyway. We, we believe it's about 22 of the, the 36 sports. It won't matter a great deal at all. Because they were already Because they were so already much. traveling a lot. Okay. Elite Swimming, athletes, gymnastics? The ones that really, to us, appear to be most affected, mm. uh, soccer, baseball, softball. Uh, softball, maybe volleyball. And uh, we're working really closely with the ACC that wants to see this work for their athletes and for ours. It's why some Dallas uh, tournaments may be a smart way to do this. But it, it's, uh, you know, you don't always get your your opportunities uh, in a nice, neat package. And you this- You don't always get what you ask for, is uh, the, that philosopher Mick Jagger once yes, said. Once yes, once said. <laughs> but I, I think we can work it out for our students. We'll do everything we can. And the main thing is to make sure that academically they can continue to perform. I will say this is just a little funny. It, it actually takes longer to get to Pullman, Washington commercially than it does to get to Atlanta. So that's just just a little okay. point. All right. So I, I would like to go back to, to your earlier question when it comes to Stanford. I, I think part of what Stanford student athletes are looking for is the highest level of competition and whatever, whatever they're doing. And, and, and Dr. Rice alluded to that and sort of what student athletes talked about when, when the conference shakeup was going on, and I and I think as a high school athlete coming out, you're looking at what the elite level is, and I think it would have been a really really tough pill to swallow had Stanford not been sitting at the elite level of of athletic competition, in football, basketball, and and, and all down the line. So okay, yeah. could I we we're talking about sports in general, college sports in general, but we keep coming back to football. So could I? It seems unlikely that I'll ever have the two of you at a table again. So may I just ask about that game? Let me give you two quotations. Here's NBC announcer Bob Costas. He's speaking in 2017 after a study that examined 111 NFL players found brain injuries mm -hmm. in 110. This was a bad year for the NFL. Bob Costas, quote, the existential question is the nature of football itself. If I had an athletically gifted 12 or 13-year-old son, I wouldn't let him play. Close quote. Here's the second quotation. Andrew Luck on August 24th, 2019, when you announced your retirement from the Colts. Quote, I'm quoting you. For the last four years or so, I've been in this cycle mm -hmm. of injury, pain, rehab. Injury, pain, rehab. It's been unceasing and unrelenting both in-season and off-season, the only way I see out is to no longer play football, close quote. At the current levels of weight and speed and violence, is this great game sustainable? 
I hope so, and I think so. And I and I don't have the empirical data to to, to share with you about injuries, or maybe we get some of your poli sci fellows yes, to get right, right, <laughs> to yes. run, run, the, run the numbers. Run regression. But I, I'm I'm coaching high school football. I right know. Now, and I, and I, you and love it, this game. I do. I, I want to know why. I do. It and part, hurts. <laughs> part of I do love this game, and it's been very good to me. And it, it's 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 given me a life in many ways that that I could never have imagined. It's it's incredible. And I think part of the responsibility now being out of the game is to try and come back and help help the game evolve and continue to grow into a safer. I think you've seen rule changes that are safer. I think uh, tackling needs to continue to progress to be a to be a safer action in the sport. Uh, I think we need to use technology to help make the game safer. I think this game is too important to America for it to go anywhere. Why is it important to the country? Because Saturdays, people get together all over this place and watch it. And on Sundays, they get together and watch their teams. And they, and, and it, and it, 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 it might be out of my lane here, but it seems like one of the things that does bind us together uh, across it, differences. It, and it does. <laughs> and, and I will say this. There aren't too many things. We have less and less. There are not, not too many things where you will go to a game and you'll have the CEO and the shop steward in the same stuff. Their 49ers mm -hmm. stuff or their Colts stuff. And a Republican and, and a Democrat. And, and all they care about at that moment is how their team plays. Right. But, but let me just say something about the safety. Look, we, we're working really, NFL's worked very hard on safety. NCAA's mm -hmm. worked very hard on safety. There are uh, panels with neurologists, uh, the leading neuroscientists, about what can we do. But let me just say one thing, Peter. I think we can absolutely try to make the game safer and safer and safer. To a certain extent, sports isn't so safe. Mm -hmm. right? This is not the only sport in which you get concussions. I had yeah. two as a figure skater. Because if you bang your head on the ice, you're likely long. to get a concussion. Right. I have in my back pitched vertebrae from figure skating. Right. So the, the fact is athletics is not natural to the body. But with better training, with better rules, I think we can diminish some of the impacts. Technology and is the way out here? No, not Helmet just technology, design. study. Study by, I think for the first time we really have, over the last several years, had neurologists and people who understand the brain and what's happening in this. And if you watch now, if somebody even looks like a hint of concussion in uh, the NFL or in the NCAA, they're off the field just like this. There was a golfing friend of mine, a professional golfer who's a friend of mine, who got hit with a golf ball. And the PGA wasn't as quick to get into a protocol because they hadn't thought about it. So a lot of this will, I hope, evolve into better and better So rules. why do you love the game? I want to know. You, before we, these cameras started yeah. rolling, yes. you talked about you own a piece of the Broncos, so I can understand that right. yesterday was a good day it for you. It was a really good day. <laughs> but you said you also watched some college. You spent the whole weekend watching football. I did football. watch the whole. I did. Why? Right. Because my dad was a football coach when I was born, and I was supposed to be his all-American linebacker, and I'm an only child girl. And so I, my happiest moments in, in my entire life were watching football with my dad. It was music mm. with my mom, who never picked up a baseball bat or a ball up bat of any kind. And my dad, with him, it was sports. And Andrew knows this. My, my dad wanted me to know the X's and O's. So you know, I'm seven years old. Uh, Condoleezza, what is that? Daddy, that's a trap block. You know, I just love the sport. But I think what I love about it is it's actually a very strategic game. It's a chess match. You're moving the pieces around. And it is a sport that really requires the ultimate in concentration, in physicality, all in one package. I just can't help it, but I do love it. So we have here an athlete who's also a brainiac and a former secretary of state saying, this game enhances life. It does. Is that right? It does. You're going it, to insist on that. Well, it's not as for, much it's it's not pain as it's, it's, right, right, right. it's not for everybody. All right, it's not for everybody. Right. And I, I, I will say one thing about Andrew's uh, leaving early. I, I think that was a good signal to, uh, to people in football that you don't have to play the 15, 17 year career mm. in order to be, uh, to be fulfilled. And that if you've gotten what you need from the game and you've given as much as he did to the game and it's now time to quit, that's okay mm. too. Okay. Right. I, I watched, I'll, I, thank you for saying that, Doctor. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. And I also, you know, I watched uh, games this past week and I saw Brock Purdy uh, self-reported a concussion after a flight yeah. home from which which when I was playing, which was not that long ago, 
would not have happened. And I know before I was playing that, that wouldn't have happened. So I, I do think there has been a culture shift in how players yes. um, are, are sharing their vulnerabilities about health uh, mm-hmm. and taking their health seriously, which is a, which is a, which seeing, or, or at least reading the news and watching a, a star quarterback in this league self-report a concussion after, you know, that's new. after a that's game new. is a really positive step in, in a direction uh, that, that made me think, oh gosh, you know, this, we're on, we're on, an, we're on a path, and I, th- and I think it's in a positive direction. Okay. So, let's, as I think about it, and I don't think about it as much as the two of you, or at the depth that the two of you think about it. So this is, I'll just trot out a couple of ideas here. If we think about what college sports should look like, and we've already agreed that we're groping toward protocols and rules, I think there are a couple of basic choices to make here. One model. Condi, uh, Condi and I have talked about this before. I'm just watch her face when I say this. One model is the Ivy League model. Look, oh, it's that, oh it's, don't say anything. I'm Hold not, on. I'm not because I don't want to criticize the Ivy League. Okay. So here's the point. I'll, I'll address this one to you then. Yeah. When the Ivy League is formed back in 1954, the league explicitly made a trade-off between sports and academics. Mm-hmm. And it said, we are not going to sacrifice our academics so we're going to live with a more modest sports program. Like those incredible hockey teams at Cornell. <laughs> you see, <laughs> she just can't stop. Yeah. I really, uh, so perhaps the Ivy League doesn't quite live up to its own ideal, <laughs> but the ideal here is relax everybody, that we don't need a power five. There are 5,000 colleges and universities in this country, and we don't have to have games dominated by the top 25. Let's just have, go back to the really old-fashioned ideal of genuine student-athletes. Nobody gets paid. All the kids are there to take exams and graduate after four years. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think there's a place for it, and I think it exists, but I think there's, you know, the, the, I don't think that model is a general thing, is, is what okay, we want. So we don't want to be buying this let, at all. Let me, embarrass, yeah. let me embarrass Andrew Luck. All right, go ahead. Were you valedictorian of your class in high school? Yeah, all right. Where is Andrew Luck going to go? valedictorian of his class at one of the best high schools in co-valedictorian co- co- all right co-valedictorian <laughs> of one of the humble of, you of one of the best of one of the best class the best schools in uh in texas and elite athlete so why can't there be a place where the valedictorian of the class and the elite athlete in one body gets to play and that place has been stanford the thing that we've done very well here is we've believed in several excellences mm-hmm. at Stanford. We've believed in excellence of research. We've believed in excellence of teaching. We've believed in excellence of clinical care. And we've believed in excellence of athletics with the highest academic standards. Mm-hmm. And so there need to be places like that for the Andrew Lux. Are there and enough the, to make up a whole conference? I, I think there are there others. Are? There are others, but maybe not quite to the extent that we uh, demand both. But there are other places that uphold academics and athletics as well. Absolutely. So, I'm sorry, this is a slightly, this is the one tendentious question I'm going to permit myself. You tied yourself into the shape of a pretzel for the entire month of August to pull off a deal with the ACC. Right. Because the Pac-12 fell apart over television deals. We sit on a football field at a university with an endowment of almost 40 billion dollars. One of the three, three, three biggest endowments in the country, Harvard and Yale, Princeton, Princeton, Princeton one of the four. All right. Why did they, why do you, why does, why does money matter to Stanford? Well, as you know, Peter, there are a lot of things Look that, at that. That's really vicious. There's as you know better of, than to ask that question. That's what you There's a lot of stuff that Stanford's covering with that $40 billion right. endowment and the payout from it, which is, by the way, not $40 billion. But let's remember that what we're trying to do here at Stanford is to have the strongest, best athletic program within our academic context. And that means that we don't want football and 
college and, and athletics at Stanford to take away from what we are able to do on the research and teaching side. And so to the degree that football can get that contract and can help to fund the other sports, we want to do that. The university from time to time does have to, to step up to help, and it does. But I just want to make one point about the television contracts. You, you mentioned uh, the possible deal with Apple, which was going to be a streaming deal. Right. The one thing none of us know is how long we're going to be in a world in which cable television contracts look like they do today. I don't know anybody under the age of 40, maybe even 50, who really has cable anymore. People stream. And so eventually there will be some changes in the way that uh, sports are compensated uh, by the outside media world out there. And we'll have to be uh, agile to deal with that uh, as well. All right. Um, so five years from now, what change, I'm now going to make you, I, I was going to say NCAA commissioner, whatever the high of the NCAA is called. I don't even know the name of the title, <laughs> but let's just use a simpler term. You're now dictator of college sports. What do you want it to look like in five years? Uh, what do I want it to look like? That's a great question. I, I think, I think, you know, this conference realignment was a big existential threat. Uh, to a lot of schools, and, and it came to, and I think the next conversation is revenue sharing, especially of TV money, to football athletes and all athletes to a certain degree. So I, I'm curious how that conversation so, goes, because I, I think that's coming down the pipe. And The NFL yeah. equalizes, to some extent, revenues among teams, doesn't it? That's what NFL is, yes, very right. much. So. As opposed to uh, baseball, for example. Uh, well, but, uh, they have, uh, football, uh, NFL has several things. A salary cap, right. which equalizes. Uh, shared revenue, which equalizes, and a draft, which equalizes. Okay. And so would you like to see that operating within... First of all, would you would you like to see a regional realignment, or are you perfectly happy having Stanford be yeah. part of what is called still the Atlantic I, Coast I'm, Conference? I'm, I'm all right with where we are now. I'm, I'm kind of excited about where we are right now. But eventually some of this may uh, sort out. One of the big questions is what will football do? Football mm. is already separate in some ways from the rest of college sports. The college football playoffs are not actually an NCAA championship. They are a college football playoff championships. And so there may be some separations there. But if I can take the question that you yeah. didn't ask me, you I, asked I Andrew. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think there the are, there are some positive developments. I, I do think if we could get name, image, and likeness back into a box where it's not about paying you to transfer to this school or that school, but rather you get to advertise something. And for most kids, it is going to be, if I put this on my Instagram, will you, will you give me a bike? I think that's okay if we can get some rules around it. But the piece that I really want to emphasize again is we have to get back to, you went to do this because you wanted to get a college degree. Mm. That might change the dynamics of a transfer portal, for instance, because if you're, if you're just an ordinary student, you're hopping from university, you're not going to actually finish because you won't transfer credits and so forth. So if we could get back to something that values the college so, degree for the athlete, that would be my greatest wish for college sports. On, on mm. football, so if you're a really talented baseball player, you don't have to go to college. You That's can enter correct. the farm team system. That's the NFL has benefited enormously, That's as far right. as I can tell, from using college athletics as a farm team. Well, well there, there, there are two team, points right? I'd make mm. uh, about yeah. that. One, one is, in, in baseball, if you do go to college, you stay for three years. Right. But that was a deal that was made a long, long time ago. In the NFL, the, the problem is you don't want an 18-year-old boy to play T.J. Watt. And so the three or so years in college matter for physical development as well. That's one reason that the NFL system works that way. Are you buy, she's an owner. You know, you can rough her up if you want to. You're a player. You negotiated against I, the owners. I, we, Feel yes, free. We did. Feel free. <laughs> you have one right here. This way, I think. Give her a piece of your mind right now. I think, I think I only ever saw Adrian Peterson and thought, oh, my gosh, that guy could probably have played in the NFL yeah, right. at age 18. Or right. maybe Earl Campbell could have yeah. played at age 18. But, but most could Yeah, and personal experience was... I'm very glad, you know, for the development opportunity in college. But I would like to have, I would like to have, uh, particularly, and I'll tell you the sport that I think is most uh, problematic in this regard is basketball. Because the so-called one, one and done is not really one and done. It's seven months and then you're out once the tournament starts. And so they, the NBA needs a real minor league. They're starting to develop it a little bit with the, the G League, as they call it, or now the, the Gatorade League. Uh, but... 
that would be a big help because the kid who doesn't really want to go and get the degree shouldn't have to. Should yeah. be able to go and play play sport. Absolutely. And I, I do want to go back. I, I keep thinking of NIL. I, it's almost indefensible that we didn't, in my opinion, that we didn't let kids profit off of their name, image, and likeness for a yeah. long, long time. And I think revenue sharing is is a separate conversation that, that does need you to happen. You are sharpening up your first answer. When <laughs> I said, should you have been paid, you said, well, now you're saying, yeah, dog <laughs> well, well, I think there's a couple different aspects to All being right. paid. And, I, right. and I, think, I think NIL, I, I'm, I'm happy that Pandora's box is open, if you, you will. You are. Yeah, I think it's great. I, I think out of Pandora's box came a lot of things, right, in, in, the, in the old myth. And I'm I'm riffing this up. This is my dad's metaphor, so you know <laughs> I'm stealing it from him. But including hope was the last was the last uh, was, was the last thing out of the box. And and I do, you know, we, we, and part of part of the problem of transfer and, and nil at the same time is is the inducement of kids. We'll pay you more if you go over here in recruiting, which it, which I think at its core was not supposed to be that way. Uh, I do think but it's a good case that kids can make money off the name, image, and likeness. That just feels foundationally right. positive. Yeah, really, back back in the old days, a sad thing, for instance, kids who were who were suspended or thrown out of football because they sold a jersey. Yeah, I mean, really, right. you know. Right. So, so both of you, NIL, transfer portal. My saying, wait a minute. What about the old ideals? And both of you are saying, if I'm summing you up correctly, there's work to be done. There are protocols that have to emerge. We have decisions to make. But fundamentally, we're in a good place. No, 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 no. That's a bad summary, Peter, with all due respect. Okay. Um, I'm trying to move toward a memorandum of understanding before we leave this uh, <laughs> so negotiation, here's the memorandum of Madam understanding. Secretary. Something did need to change. And uh, the, the piece that probably needed to change was that athletes needed to be able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness, from the fact that they were becoming famous people, right. as any influencer might have been uh, in our world today who wasn't an athlete, a college student who was an influencer and was making money. That, I don't have a problem with that. I think the transfer portal has been a disaster for college sports because it has made it so that if you're not a very, very, very top player, you're not wanted. And you don't get that chance to develop from 18 to 20 mm. to figure out, no, I'm actually really a good player and I worked really hard for it and I made it onto the team. Mm. So while some good things came out of this, a lot of bad things came out of it too. And I think our goal has to be as people who love these sports, who believe in the intercollegiate athletic model, who believe that places can exist where you have both academics and, and athletics, is to figure out a way Maybe not to put the genie back in the bottle, but that there are a few places like here uh, that try to do it the right way. Does she sound a little bit like an owner to you? <laughs> uh, is transfer letting these pl pesky players go where they want to play is a problem? Do you uh, would you like? They're to? good at stirring the pot, Peter. Well, just, <laughs> is there any, is there any reply you care to make to no, that? No, I I, th I think. Or do you agree? Athlete choice, health and safety. I think we, we agree on a lot of things. Oh, here. now you're playing the diplomat. All right. I, I, I really think we do. And, and I think it's so, few, so few kids go professional. And then so few kids go professional and make substantial enough money to live life with the privilege to do whatever one right. sort of pleases. That, that I, I deeply believe in the value of education and, and what colleges and universities, you know, and, and sort of and a degree and the network and what that what that can give a cadre of young people growing up and and I think college sports are just like the regional rivalries and the traditions and and, and the, the the connect the, the connective tissue that it breeds is just so important that I'd, I'd hate to see us stray too far away from what is just sort of quirky and very American about college athletics like it's it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain it to is. someone from it's another country. You got to bring them along, and there's like, okay. And then next thing we have to go down to Tuscaloosa because they do this, and then oh, we're going to go up yeah. to Pullman because right. they do that. It's well, I, I will tell you so, one one yeah. funny story about that. Maybe Peter, you can. So uh, I brought Jack Straw, who at the mm. time was the Foreign Secretary of Great Britain. He's a huge fan, a, yeah. a huge, uh, as he would say, yeah. football fan. So I brought him to an Alabama, Tennessee game. <laughs> Great. I said, I Not want you to experience theme, this. Yeah. So we went and we were asked to toss the coin at the, yeah. at the beginning. 
And so uh, we walk out of the tunnel and people are going absolutely wild, 92,000. And Jack, who's a politician, is going like this. I said, Jack, they would cheer a squirrel if it came out of the tunnel at this point. Let's just go toss the coin and get it over. But to your point, it's really an American thing. That's <laughs> right. Last questions here. I'm going to ask for three pieces of advice. One, I'd like to ask you both for your advice, and then one for Condi and one for Andrew. And here's the first, first advice to a college football fan like me. That's advice to somebody who loved the game as it used to be played, who thought there was something, maybe this is romantic, but thought there was something pure about a real amateur, a true student athlete who played because of the love of the game and who really was part of the institution for which he or she played. What's your advice to that fan? Get over it? What, what, what's, what's your advice to the fan? To the, to the uh, dinosaur not, fan like me? Not so strong as get over it, but I, I, I'm bullish on, on, on where things are going. I think some things aren't great right now, but I think it's positive. And I think it's, I generally think steps that empower student athletes you know, are, are good things. And I think there's really good football being played. <laughs> Be a fan of good football. That's a good deal. Yeah. And your advice? I would say uh, write to your college alumni association. <laughs> <laughs> and ask them to keep thinking about the academic piece mm -hmm. of it, that that student athlete really needs to get a degree. And oh, by the way, I still think these kids love the game. Yeah. Oh, I, you watch them on Saturday, they still love the game. Condi, this one's for you. We've been talking again and again and again about this few dozen schools, let's maybe 130, let's say maybe 200, at the very top of the college sports structure. But again, there are almost 5,000 colleges and universities in this country. So let's imagine a small college or university somewhere in the middle of the country, but it doesn't have to be the middle of the country, somewhere that really wants to get into the big game, that wants to raise the money and build the facilities and attract the coaches and recruit the athletes. And it knows it's a decade long project but it really wants to break in to that top tier. You're a former provost. You, you're now an owner of a football. What, what advice would you give to that president and provost of that small college that wants to do this? Don't do it? No, I would, say, I would say be sure you know what you're getting into. And by the way, by the time you get there, the rules of the game may have changed dramatically. So um, if you must, uh, just make sure that you're not doing it at the expense of your academic excellence. Okay, last question for Andrew. You're coaching across the El Camino at Palo Alto High School. Um, you've got a kid who comes up to you afterwards and after a practice. You're coaching freshmen, isn't that right? Uh, okay. Uh, yep. Who says, Coach Luck, I want to be like you. I want to do what you did. So tell me to do, tell me what it's exactly what it's going to take to get into a call, big time college football program. I'll do it. I don't care how much sacrifice it involves. I'll do it. What do you say to that kid? Well, I'd say dream bigger. <laughs> do it better, do it better than me is the first thing I'd say. And then we'd have a serious discussion about how, how the stars have to align for certain things to happen. Uh, that there's more than more than one road to success, or there's, there can be more than one dream. Uh, but but I shoot if if the talent was there to to play big time football, I would I would hope that I could support this kid uh, along their journey. And then I, I saw a really cute video on the internet that a friend sent to me of of a college football player talking to a kid after game. The kid came up and asked for a scholarship and said or, uh, an autograph and said, "I want to be like you." Right, and this this was an offensive lineman, a big kid, and this must have been a, a, a fourth grader boy. Boy, and the first thing this twenty-year-old college football player said, well, "Well, how are your grades?" Mm -hmm. And the kid said, "Well, they're not very good." He's like, "Well, you know, you know, I I got into here because I also have to do well at school. I get to play because I did well at school. I got a scholarship to go to the school, and I play for the school." And you know, a year later, the kid gets all A's on his report card or something, and the mom shared a video about it. And that, you know, I think. I think, 
I think that's part of what's really special. So few of us go pro, but playing in college, I think, opens up a number of doors. And so I'd say focus on your grades. You know, that, that is as important as a, uh, an arena as the football field. And, and I think you'll learn. The more curious you are, the better you learn how to learn, the better you are in school. That helps you be a better football player and vice versa. The, the more you learn about how to be on a team and accountable to each other and strategy, it, 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 they reinforce each other, I think, in positive ways when done right. Condoleezza Rice, former Secretary of State, Director of the Hoover Institution, and owner of the Denver Broncos. Mm. Andrew Luck, former star on this football field, former quarterback for the Colts, and now freshman football coach at Palo Alto <laughs> High School. Thank you both. Thank Pleasure. you. Pleasure. Thank you. For the Hoover Institution, I'm Peter Robinson.